You all know what this is? Kids, you know what this is? If I start unfolding this thing here. It is a piece of paper. Oh, this side's better. It's a map, right? It's a map. So um, you get one of these things. And is this very important? What do you think? This is Tehachapi. How many of you think you can navigate Tehachapi without a map, right? Most of, I bet most of the kids could get around, let alone the parents are like, ah, I know where stuff is. If you tell me get to Stallion, I could get there, get to the school, I could get there. And so maps are things where um, this map in particular is not that valuable. You can go to any real estate office, any grocery store in Tehachapi, get this map, right? But what would make this map valuable? Kids, what do you think? What would make this map valuable? If what? If it was lined with gold, yeah, it's a little light for that. What, a, what do you think? What would make a, what makes a map, what could make a map more valuable, even a normal map? What? Someone said it. If it's a treasure map, of course, right? If you look and you say, now if this was a regular map, everybody would be going, ah, who cares, right? It's a map, right? But if I said, hey, I got a treasure map here, how many of you guys would be like, man, I really want that map? I would really, I would really, really like that map, you know what I mean? If I said, yeah, it's going to show you where there's actually some gold on black gold, like you can go and find black gold, and, you know, there's a street called black gold on here, you know what I mean? That would make this incredibly worth something to you, right? What you believe about the map would make it incredibly worth something to you. That's a cheap point, right? The cheap point is what you believe about this piece of paper and what it contains makes all the difference as to whether you care if I burn it or whether you want it in your hand, you want to protect it, you want to put it in a lock vault, all that stuff, right? Think about stocks. Those when we used to have paper stocks, right, adults? What makes that piece of paper worth anything to you? Why are they in safe deposit boxes? Why are they? It's a piece of paper, but it's worth something, right? Because of what you believe that it represents. And so my job this morning is to tell you why children are worth everything at Bear Valley Church, right? Why they're worth everything at Bear Valley Church. Um, it, why, why, if a kid is screaming bloody murder in the service, we should be fine with it because they're here, right? Why we should have them sing more often, why we should want to be a part of their lives, why we should give our resources to them and their families, even if it means we don't get new stuff that looks good, even if it means we got some stuff around here that's not what you would like it to be. Um, why? Because they're worth it. <laughs> Because they're worth it. I want to give you this morning three, three beliefs that mean that children have to be important to Bear Valley Church. Right? Three beliefs that if we really believe them, we will say that children have to be important to Bear Valley Church. How many of you all have ever seen James and the Giant Peach? James and the Giant Peach. I remember in third grade, how many of you all are in third grade? Some of you in third grade? There was this teacher, and I grew up in El Paso, Texas, and she was Hispanic. And she read that book to us, and it was terrifying right? It was terrifying because she did these accents. And there's the beginning part where James, does anybody remember what the ants' names are? Spiker and Sponge, right? His aunt, Spiker and Sponge. And how do they treat him? They treat him like he's worthless, right? They treat him like all he's good for is to do work, to do chores. And then he needs to go up to the shack they're keeping him in at the top of their house and then he, he goes hungry, they don't feed him, all this stuff. And this is how they treat him. So much so to where when he has a chance to go on a ride on a giant peach with huge insects, which would normally be terrifying, he says, great, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'll go for it. We don't want kids to be that way with the church. Right? Think about it. Think about it. 
if they get treated poorly here, they will go elsewhere. They will go elsewhere to find what they're looking for. Right? If we don't show them the love of Christ, if we don't sacrifice as adults to make it happen that they would see the love of Christ through us, in us, and all around them in this place, they will go somewhere else. And so I want to challenge us this morning to say, what does the Bible say about children and why they're important? Would you open with me in your Bibles? We already re- a couple of these a couple of these kids took my thunder already, right? The first reason that the first belief is that children are examples. And you say, wait a second, I thought we were the examples. No, children are the examples, right? This is what Jesus said. <laughs> Turning your Bibles to Matthew 18, Matthew 18, verse one. Matthew 18, verse 1. Children are the example. Like we get that backwards in our head and we think they need to be more like us when Jesus says we need to be more like them a lot of times. We need to not worry so much. We need to not uh, be so proud. We need to not think so much of ourselves. We need to simply believe what our Father tells us. And in that, He says, children are the example. And in fact... If you don't become like a child, if there's never a point in your life at which you humble yourself like a little child and come to God and say, I believe what you say and I desperately need you, then he says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter it. That's true of the high, sc- high schoolers. If you think you're too cool for everything, you don't humble yourselves, right? All the way up to the oldest person here. As Jesus says, you must humble yourself to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're assuming that they get in, right? They're assuming they're already in. They're assuming not only are they in, they're assuming that they have a shot at the greatest position. Right? Surely, Jesus, we've been with you a long time. Uh, we've been around. We, we, but there's this debate among the 12 of us, which is best. You know what I mean? Verse 2. He called a little child. Can you imagine being this kid? The adults are arguing about who's the best. And Jesus says, hey, come here. Come. Right? A, I picture the disciples arguing in the background. And Jesus coming, hey, come here, come here, come here. Brings a little kid in. Stands him right there. And he had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Y'all pray with me before we go much further that God would humble our hearts, right? How as adults do we even get there? How do we remember what it was to be a child, to know that what God said is true and to believe in it and not think much of ourselves, right? We need God's help. God, we pray that this day, even as we have a short amount of time, and as we look at these scriptures, God, that you would remind us why it's important that children are important here. God, that you would make us believe that these things are true so much so that the atmosphere in our church would be so friendly and so loving and so kind to children that they would see you, God, and come to you because of the ministry of this church. God, we ask your blessing, not because we're great. God, we're sinful. I'm sinful. God, I do stuff wrong all the time. Just like a little kid, I do stuff wrong all the time. And yet, Lord, you love me. You forgive me. 
you treat me as a son, even when I don't deserve it. God, change our hearts, change the atmosphere in our church for the better this day. Remind us, Lord, of how important it is to serve and to love these children. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is not the only place that Jesus talks about this. <laughs> you would be surprised. In each gospel, in each of the four gospels, there are three or four passages where Jesus talks about children. Right? The, ki- the kids read a couple of them in Mark. It says people were bringing the little children to Jesus to have him touch them, right? They just wanted, Je- they just wanted Jesus to interact with their little kids just a little bit. But the disciples rebuked them. Sometimes we're those people. We're the people, we're the little kids in this service, and we're turning around rebuking somebody. It's in the Bible, right? Turn around and rebuke them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. How many times in the New Testament does it say that Jesus was indignant? It means angrier than angry. Furious. He was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Do you see Jesus protecting these little kids from his own disciples? Who wanted to say, get out of here, shoo, go away. We don't want you, we don't want your crying, we don't want your snot-nosed brat around here. Right? And Jesus says, Don't you dare. Don't you dare push them away. Right? Belongs, the kingdom belongs to them. Also in Mark, it says, He took a little child and had him stand among them, taking him in his arms. He said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Is Jesus welcome here? Is Jesus welcome here? This is why, and I'm not saying we do a bad job at this. I just want to remind us today that this is hugely important. Right? It, is hu- it is huge that the children would be welcome here. It, it, we have to believe that they're the example, that we need to see them as adults, that we need to be reminded of their childlike faith, that we need to be reminded of their innocence, that we need to be reminded of their dependence and their humility. And there's all these things that when we see kids running around here, should, we should be reminded of and say, that's an example for me, right? The high schoolers and middle schoolers, example for me. Example for you all. Children are the example, right? And a lot of us go, ah, uh, yeah, well, it's the truth. It's what God says in the Bible. Um, he healed children. He blessed children. Um, how many of you all remember when you were a child your view of your family, right? Um, oftentimes, at least in my family, maybe your family doesn't do such a great job of this, but when there were kids present, the family atmosphere was different, right? Then when I got older, I got a little more discouraged with my family because I'm like, wait a second, I didn't know there was this much arguing and bickering and stuff that happened, right? Oh, sorry, it's just my family, not your family. Never. <laughs> Never, right? Never in your family, right? When I was younger, I thought my aunts and uncles and my parents and all, I thought everybody got along great, right? Because children do something to the atmosphere where there's a joy and a happiness. You don't want to yell in front of them. You don't want to do all this stuff. And that's the, the idea is that here too. That Jesus says, they'll set the example. You shouldn't yell. You shouldn't yell, right? There's children present. Right? You shouldn't bicker and argue about stuff that doesn't matter. There's children present. 
Children will bring that atmosphere to our church of us getting along better. Right? Of us, of us saying, why, why would we treat each other badly and be a bad example for these, for these young people? Right? Children are important. Um, right? Next time there's an argument going on in the church, I just want to call the Sunday school class and say, hey, come over here. Come over here, right? I want you to come to this ministry meeting, kids. Come over here, you know? <laughs> Sit them down and say, okay, now let's talk in front of them. Right? Because what... It just kind of flies away and you go, man, it's not that important what we were arguing about, is it? It's just not that important. That's why you need to be around the kids, right? Sunday school teachers are needed. Awana helpers are needed. Be there. Why? Because it's good for you. It's good for them. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. Right? Bring the kids. Bring your kids. Bring everybody else's kids. Right? Pack your car out. If you have an extra seat, fill it. You've got to know neighboring kids. You've got to have neighbors who've got little, little runts running around. Say, hey, how about I take them off your hands for a couple hours? Right? I don't know of any parent that's going to say no to that, as long as they trust you. Right? Don't like, pull up in a white van or something. Right? Just, just, be, just come over and invite yourself and, you know, and just be friendly and say, hey, hey, come on. Now I want to bring your kids to Sunday school. If the parent won't come, you say, okay, we're, in your head, you're praying that the parent comes to you, but if they don't, and you bring their kids. You bring their kids. It's necessary. I've already taken too much time, but either way, who cares? Point number two, right? So children are the example. That's why we have to believe that, to know that they're important here, right? Second, children reveal sovereignty. Right? Think about that. That's like a big, big word. Sovereignty means that God is in control. Right, kids? Is God in control? Is God in control of you? Is God in control of your parents? Right? Children reveal sovereignty. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is being called as a prophet, and he tries to say, no, I'm too young. I don't know what I'm doing. And God says, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. And I created you for this. To quote it exactly, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah tries to argue again. He says, Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to. High schoolers, kids, God made you. Right? God made you reveal exactly how God wants you to be. Right? Not saying you always behave. When you disbehave, when you misbehave, that's not true. Right? But God made you specifically. He gave you the talents He gave you. He gave you the looks He gave you. He gave you the parents He gave you. He appointed all these things in your life that He could send you to do something for Him. Right? He put you in your family. He put you in this place. He put He put the people around you. He put you that, who, who He put there. And it's so that you can live for Him. And He says, before you were born in the Psalms, right? We love this verse. It says He knit you together in your mother's womb. He said, He said, okay, let me see here. How do I, uh, how do I want to make Dane camp? All right, I want to make Dane. I'm going to make Dane camp, and I'm going to put this in there, and this, in, and He's choosing all these things. We do not believe that this randomly happens. 
We believe that the sovereign Lord chooses the genes, chooses the makeup, chooses the whole process so that it comes out what he wants. That declares God's sovereignty. It declares how he's in charge of all this stuff. Adults, do you remember that sometimes? You remember that the Lord made you who he wanted you to be? That he he put you together in your mother's womb as well? That he gave you skills and he gave you talents and he gave you goals and passions and ambitions? and, And then, above all that, if you're a believer, he put his spirit inside of you and said, go serve me. God used Josiah at the age of eight. How many of you are eight? Eight-year-olds, eight, eight anybody? Eight-year-olds, right? Anybody younger than eight, older than eight? Right? There's kids here, and they... That's everybody, by the way. I just thought I'd get y'all thinking, right? Josiah at the age of eight, by the time he... At the age of eight, he's king of Israel. At the age of 16, he knows enough about God to give a command that all the idols would be cleared out of Israel. At the age of 16... He's leading his whole country away from idolatry. High schoolers, what are you doing? (laughs) Right? What are you doing? Eight, he's king. Sixteen, he's leading people away from idolatry. I figure we're a little behind here, right? The idea being, God will do stuff through you, in you, around you. Right? David and Goliath. Favorite story, right? Samuel, Samuel comes to know, Samuel hear the Lord speaking to him when he's young and he doesn't even understand what's going on. <laughs> and he keeps going to Eli saying, Eli, what, what is this? I keep hearing the Lord calling me. And Eli says, I don't know what it is. Go back. And then he keeps coming and Eli finally says, when you hear this, you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it says from that day forward, Samuel, as a young child, from that day forward, it says the Lord did not let one of his words drop to the ground meaning that everything Samuel said was purposeful, was listened to, was helpful to the people around him. Mary and Joseph were young. Jeremiah was young when God called him. Reveal God's sovereignty. God has a plan. Um, God wants to use the children here. You, you all. He wants to use you for something. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to glorify him. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. And it's thrilling. It's thrilling. The missionary movements that led to people going to Uganda, that led to people going to China, to India, all of those were started by students who were just young young people. Right? They weren't even out of college yet, and they were forming missionary societies to send missionaries to countries that had never been reached. The China mainland, in the China Inland Mission, right, in, in uh, William Carey in India, that's two billion people that those two people single-handedly, when they were in college, sent mis- started sending missionaries to. Right? I have way too much time. God revealed, right? Children are the example. We need them around here. Children reveal sovereignty. Last but not least, Kevin talked last, last week about rescuing families. Children need rescue. We are, we are growing up in a society that now has the least educated, the least biblically educated children ever in the American culture. Percentage of children going to Sunday school, dropping. Percentage of children, so this is from my college, right? Masters gives their, (laughs) they give incoming students a Bible proficiency exam, and they say, 
over the past 20 years, the results had tanked. And this is even kids who, by the time they're out of high school, are deciding to go to a Christian college. And still, the results are tanking. Children need rescue. You have neighbors who are not bringing their kids to Sunday school. You have neighbors whose kids have no idea what the gospel is, who've never been to a church. Bring them. But if you're going to bring them, it means you have to come too, right? You have to be faithful before you can grab somebody else's kids and hope to be faithful, right? Be there. Children need rescue. In this, in this very valley, I meet high schoolers who've never been to a church, high schoolers who have no idea about anything in the Bible, and they need rescue, And so don't come with an empty seat to Sunday school. Don't come with an empty seat to Iwana. To youth group. Bring your kids, hoodlum friends along with them. Invite them to summer camp. Pay for them to go. If people had not given me rides and scholarships to camp in high school and to youth group, I wouldn't have been here. My friend's mom, my freshman year, came and picked me up. And the first time she did it, it was the foggiest night I'd ever experienced in Bear Valley. And here comes my friend's mom, white-knuckled, right? White-knuckled, driving, driving through the fog to try to... She didn't know where my house is. <laughs> Pulls in the driveway a little bit late, a little shaken, right? My friend's in the back. I get in, and then we're off to the church, still shaking, right? It's my first time going to youth group. It was my friend's mom coming and picking me up because my parents didn't want anything to do with it at the time. Children need rescue. Right? Children are examples. Children reveal sovereignty. And children need rescue too. And so I want to tell you, if those three things are true, if you believe the things I've just said, then they have to be important here. They have to be. I want to steal a story I heard. Uh, just recently, I'm going to change the names to protect the guilty, but no, um, the innocent actually, of someone who had a, had a hard loss in their family, suffered a death. And this person was having a really hard time dealing with it and trying to cope with the loss and cope with um, sudden death and, and things that we don't expect always. And I don't think any of you would know this person, but... Um, and it took a little, a little five-year-old in the family who they told that this person had passed away. And the little five-year-old is running around happy. For a couple days. Little kid's not crying. Little kid's not doing anything. Little kid's running around happy. And finally the guy asks, uh, how, to the five-year-old, how is it that you're happy? And he says, well, person's with Jesus now. Faith like a child, right? Faith like a child. He said, in, in their mind, this, the connection was straight to God says heaven's great. God says if we believe in Jesus, we go to heaven. This person died, they believed in Jesus. They're in heaven and it's great. Like it was just that simple. And I know for us adults, we feel things and we know things. And I'm not saying it's wrong to grieve and little children don't understand all that. But what I am saying is that we need children around. 
We need them around. We need them to know they're loved. We need them to know Jesus Christ. Right? And I pray as a church that if there's positions open for Sunday school, that today they're filled. I pray that when Awana starts up next fall, it's full because you all have been recruiting all summer. All of your neighbors, all the little brats that you know from the different places you go, right? That our Sunday school classes would be huge because no one comes with an empty seat to church. Maybe that I'm idealistic, like Kevin tells me all the time. He's like, man, that's pretty idealistic. I know, I know, right? I want that to happen here. If you can't do that, then serve, give, pray, right? Find a Sunday school teacher and say, give me your list of kids. I'm going to pray for them every week. Find an Awana leader. Say, I'm praying for your kids every week. Give me the list. Find the youth pastor and I'll give you a list of 200. Pray for them every week. You all pray with me. There's still announcements to be made and stuff. I took too much time, but pray with me and then there'll be a few announcements. God, we love you. Um, Thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, God, may children be terribly important here. Um, God, may we remember that they are an example. May we remember that they show your sovereignty. May we remember that they need rescue too. God, we love the fact that you've rescued us. We love the fact that you've given us faith. May you use us to show others, God. I love this church, Lord. I thank you for all that we already do with kids. I don't mean, Lord, to make these people just feel guilty. God, for the Sunday school programs, for Awana, for the youth ministry, for VBS, God, for all these things that reach out to the young people around us, God, would you bless them? Not for us, not for us, O Lord, but for your name. For your name's sake, God, and for the sake of these children coming to know Christ. Lord, we love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.